0: Yeah, wow. We're going to have to uh, have an exorcism or something around here before it's over with. <laughs> First Timothy chapter 1, verses 12 through 17. The Apostle Paul says, I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to this service. Though formerly I was a blasphemer, But I received mercy for this reason, that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. To the King of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Sharing our testimony is what I want to share with us about today. I believe the most powerful form of witnessing that there is, is our personal testimony. Sharing our testimony with others. When you begin to talk to people about the Bible and you talk to people about God, they can argue with you about how to interpret a verse of scripture. They can argue with you about whether God exists or not. But when you begin to talk about what has happened to you personally, what you have experienced personally, then they can't do much arguing about that because you're speaking from your own personal experience. And I believe that we as believers, we should be able to share our testimony. We should be able to share our testimony both privately and publicly, privately one-on-one with someone, one-on-one with a family member, one-on-one with a coworker, one one-on-one with a neighborhood friend, one-on-one with those people that God calls us to be in contact with. <clears throat> but we also should do so publicly, like in a church setting, sharing what Christ has done, sharing how much Christ loved us, sharing what Christ has done in our life. As you study scripture, you can find a lot of people who shared their testimonies, but probably one of the best at giving his testimony was the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul shared his testimony on multiple occasions and in multiple ways. He was ready to give an answer about his trust in the Lord at any given time. He, he could talk about what Christ meant to him, about how Christ saved him, about how he was called. He was willing and ready to share his testimony with anyone and everyone. And in our scripture today, he is actually sharing his testimony with the young pastor Timothy. He, he is talking to a fellow believer, he, he is talking to a fellow preacher, teacher, missionary, and he is sharing with him his testimony. And as you read these verses, you find there are two themes that are emerging that Paul was testifying about. The, the first theme was about his calling. And the second theme was about his conversion. And he's talking to another believer, but he wants this other believer to know how sure he is of his calling and of his conversion. So I want to begin by examining his calling in verse 12. Verse 12, the Bible says... I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to this service. Paul is telling Timothy that God called him into the service that he is in. Now, his calling was possible in this verse of Scripture. He says, has given. He's talking about what has happened for him. I thank him who has given me strength. To, to do this, to, to answer this calling, to be a part of this calling, to, to go out and teach and preach and travel and, and witness and, and to be a missionary as, as I have. He, he is making sure that Timothy knows that it was able to be done. And sometimes we have to share with others our testimony about what's possible in our lives because of the strength that has been given us. So his calling was possible, but his calling was personal. He's, he says, I thank him who has given me strength. He's not talking about the strength Timothy has. He's talking about the strength that he has. He's not talking about the calling of Timothy. He's not talking about the calling of the other disciples. He is simply talking about his calling. And it's very personal. And everyone's calling is personal in the way that God comes to them and the way that God speaks to them and what God wants them to do. But his calling was also powerful. Notice how this calling took place. I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, that the power of the calling came through Christ Jesus. Anytime we answer the call to ministry, it must come through Christ Jesus Anytime that we answer the call to be obedient to anything that God wants us to do, it it has to come about through the power of Jesus Christ. It's not about our ability. It's not about our education. It's not about who we know. It's all about Christ Jesus. And Paul is saying to Timothy, I do what I do through the power of Christ Jesus. I don't do it through what someone else has told me. I don't do it through what the other disciples have said about me. I I, I don't do it because of the the good name that people have given me. I don't do it because I've made other people mad. I'm doing it because of the strength that Christ Jesus has given me. So Paul wants to, to witness and testify about his calling. Now, when we talk about calling... We normally think about a calling to be a preacher, pastor, evangelist, missionary, right? But I believe that God has a calling on every person's life. Every believer, I think God has a calling upon their life. It it won't be exactly the same to being called to preach and the pastor and and to be a missionary or an evangelist. But if you're a believer, God has placed a call upon your life to serve Him and to do something you. For him. So the question for you this morning is, what has God called you to do? I know what God called me to do. Now, it took me a while, as I've told you, to figure out what God called me to do. Well, no, not to figure it out, but just to accept it. I I knew what it was, I just didn't want to do it. So the question for you and the question for those who will listen online this week is, what is it that God is calling you to do in Christian service? Is he calling you to play an instrument? Is he calling you to sing? Is he calling you to teach? Is he calling you to preach? Is he calling you to be a missionary? What, what is he calling you to do? Is he calling you to be a servant to others? Is he calling you to, to be a helping hand to those who need help? God has something for every believer to do. And God calls us to that task, whatever it may be. So I want you to ask yourself this morning, what does God want me to do? And when you know what God wants you to do, then you will have the same testimony that Paul had here. You you can talk about the fact that this calling has been possible. You can talk about that it has been personal. You can talk about that it has been powerful. All because of what Christ has done in your life. So that is the first theme that we find in these verses of scripture. Paul's testimony about his calling. And then you'd think he would have shared this first before the calling, but for whatever reason, the Holy Spirit had him to share about his calling first, and then he shares about his conversion in verses 13 through 17. And we we must understand that the correct order of things is God's. Conversion of an individual and then God's calling but, but as Paul is talking to Timothy he starts off by of talking about his calling probably because Timothy also in ministry and he wants him to understand what Paul went through as far as ministry but then he gets into the nuts and bolts about his conversion and conversion is a pre-requirement for serving God salvation is a pre-requirement for serving God So what is it that Paul is telling us about his conversion? Well, in verse 13 and first part of verse 15, Paul remembers his past. Look, Look at what he says in verse 13. Though formerly, before I was saved, I was a blasphemer. I was a persecutor. I was an insolent opponent. And then in verse 15, the the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came in the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost or as the King James says, I am the chief sinner of, of all. Conversion always begins with an individual understanding their relationship with Christ if they don't have one, that they understand that they are living contrary to Christ against him and that they are an enemy to him. So Paul is remembering his past. He, he was not a good fellow, not at the least. As I was looking over this again this morning, there were two names that came to my mind, and neither, none of y'all probably know them. Rhonda knows who I'm going to be talking about, but I doubt that y'all do. <clears throat> One was Preacher Clarence Hall. Brother Clarence has been dead many years now. He was pastor at Bethel. He was pastor at Greenpoint. But before Clarence was a preacher and a pastor, Clarence was a heathen. I mean, that's just the way he would have put it. He grew up in Fingerville. And they said that in the Mill Village, when Clarence Hall walked through the Mill Village, That mamas would call their kids to come inside. Because when Clarence walked through, he was swearing and cussing every step that he took. And the mamas would bring their kids in so they would not be exposed to Clarence Hall. And Clarence Hall got saved. And Clarence Hall quit cussing. And Clarence Hall became a preacher and a pastor. God used Clarence Hall, but Clarence Hall still referred back to what he was like before he got saved. The other one is Marsh Bridges, who was the pastor at Alverson Grove before I went there. Preacher Bridges, way before he was a preacher, was a baseball player and a drunk. His dad had died. They had had the funeral. Morris was upset with the mortician because the mortician was trying to take advantage of his mama. So Clarence and his buddy, or Morris and his buddy, planned how they would go and kill the undertaker. So on the way to kill the undertaker, Morris sent his buddy to get him a pint of liquor. And Mars was just standing on the sidewalk there in Four City. And the house he was standing in front of was having a prayer service. Mars walked into the house for the prayer service and got saved with a gun in his pocket, waiting on a pint of liquor to go kill the undertaker. After he got saved, he went to see the undertaker without his gun and told the story to the undertaker. To which the undertaker replied, Oh, you, you've got two mules. You just pick the best one and sell it. Whatever you get for it, we're good. He, he was just grateful that he wasn't dead. And God used Morris Bridges in the Fingerville community, Alverson Grove community, as pastor for 30-something years. But just like Paul, Clarence Hall and Morris Bridges pointed back to the way they had lived, how low-down, mean, rotten, sorry scandals they had been. Preacher Bridges told me that he played textile league baseball. He said, I never played a game I didn't have a pint in my back pocket. Played outfield. Had a chance to sign to play for the St. Louis Cardinals. And turned down the contract because God called him to preach. So, when you read about someone like Paul and he's talking about what he used to be a blasphemer, a persecutor, an insolent opponent, there are lots in the Christian community that were just like that, that God has reached down and saved and converted them. We all have a testimony. I wasn't going to kill somebody. I didn't have a pint of liquor in my back pocket. And and I didn't walk through the, the village cussing so that they took the kids in. But I have a past that is not pretty. And I imagine you do also. So, so Paul is sharing his conversion by talking about his past. And then he reveals his Savior in verse 14. And he says, and the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and the love that are in Christ Jesus. He's like, I was a low down, sorry, good for nothing. I was hunting down Christians. I was arresting Christians. I was against the faith. I was as mean as a rattlesnake twice on Sunday. He said, I was doing everything that I could to destroy the faith. But... The grace of the Lord overflowed for me with the faith and the love that are in Christ Jesus. That faith and love in Christ Jesus, that is more powerful than our past. It is more powerful than how we used to live. It is more powerful than what our testimony was before we got saved. This grace and this love overflows upon us. With the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Paul says, I remember my past. Uh, I want to reveal my Savior. And now he recognizes his role. What, What is Paul's role? we say, well, he was a missionary. He was a church planter. But before that, what was Paul? Verse 16, he says, but I received mercy for this reason. He said, this is why God saved me. That in me, as the foremost, Christ Jesus might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. Paul says, I I was saved so I could be an example to others of the grace and the love of Christ, of what Christ can do. I am an example for others to look upon and say, He used to be, but now he's not. He used to do, but now he doesn't. He got gloriously saved, and the way he lives is totally different from the way he used to live. He he recognized that he was to be an example to others. He was to be a role model to others. How desperately our world needs Christian role models today that others can look at and say, that's what a Christian looks like. That is the way a Christian lives. That is what a Christian believes. And that they can then also live and believe the same way. We're all role models, either positive or negative. We need to be positive role models, recognizing that God has called us and saved us so that others can see his work in our lives. So Paul's testimony about his conversion, he remembers his past, he reveals his Savior, he recognizes his role, and in verse 17, he releases his praise. Listen to what he said in verse 17. To the king of the ages, immortal, invisible. The only God. Be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. I can imagine Paul is getting more and more excited as he is writing these words, speaking these words. He he is praising God for what he has done in his life. I used to do that and I used to live that way and I used to be this mean and I used to go out and hunt Christians and I used to imprison them. I, I used to do all of that. But the grace and the love and the mercy of Christ has overshadowed me and overfilled me and I no longer do that and I just want to give praise to God now for everything he has done in my life. The change that has taken place in my life. So Paul was sharing his testimony. He shared his testimony about his calling and he shared his testimony about his conversion. I find that in our society that many times we spend more time testifying about the make of the vehicle that we like, the brand of soap that we use, the kind of meat that we eat, or, or the brand of clothes that we wear, or a or 100,000 other things that are important to us. We, we, we can often testify about all of that, and we do. Right now, social media is running over with people testifying about their team. It, it doesn't matter. It is running over with people testifying about that football team that they have played, placed their allegiance with. And they'll testify about that team all season long. It might not be a good testimony some days, But they're going to testify about it. And and, and I just love this. When when somebody's team loses, well, win or lose, I'm a fan for life. I'm like, you're making yourself feel better because your team lost. Is is that what you're doing? We testify about all kinds of things. But as believers, what should we be testifying about? We should be testifying about what Christ has done in our life. Just like Paul was. So I want to really make this personal for you to now today. I've got four questions I want to ask you. Now, I'm not going to, you, you, you're not going to have to stand up and answer them. Don't, don't get afraid. You know, it, it's okay. But I want you to answer these four questions. Number one, when did you get saved? When? And I don't mean the exact date not everyone remembers the exact date but you remember when when did you get saved second question where did you get saved were you in bible school were you in church after worship service were you by yourself at home did somebody come to your house and share the gospel with you did somebody on the work at the workplace share the gospel with you Where were you when you got saved? Third question, who was present when you got saved? Were you by yourself? Was there a friend? Were there family members? Were were there church people? Who was there? Who was present when you got saved? Fourth question, what difference has it made in your life? That you got saved. You say preacher. I remember when. I remember where. And I remember who. But there has been no difference in my life since then. And I would say. Well you probably need to check up. Because when we get born again. We're saved. We become a new creation. Old things are done away with and all things are become new does not mean that we still will not sin at some point I'm, I'm not speaking about sinless perfection but when we get saved the desire of our heart changes we don't want to sin we don't want to live that way any longer we, we don't want to go to those places anymore we, we won't, don't want to be around those kind of people any longer. When we get saved, it, it brings a radical change in the way we think and what we do and where we go. And if it hasn't, you need to go back to the beginning and start over. These are questions that every believer should be able to answer. As I ask them, could could you answer them? Do you remember when you got saved? Do you remember the experience? Do you remember where you were when it happened? Do, Do you remember who was around? And you could have been by yourself. But this is an experience that you're going to remember. Again, maybe not specific dates. I got saved as a young boy around nine years old, and I struggled for years over the fact that I could not remember the exact date that I got saved because I'd hear other people testifying that on such and such a day at such and such a time. I got saved. My, my mind didn't work that way, and I struggled with did I get saved, and then somebody said, well, do you remember when you were born? I don't remember when I was birthed, but I got birthed. How do I know? Here I am. So salvation is not about remembering that exact moment in time that you can spell out, but it's remembering the event that took place. And and, and, and it's knowing you. I, I was at Long Branch Baptist Church in Jefferson, South Carolina. And I remember kneeling at the altar that night on a Sunday night after service. And I remember the preacher there praying with me. And I remember that Lee Donahue was the one who turned the lights out every church service. And, and Lee walked in to turn the lights off and saw me and the preacher down at the altar. And so he turned and went back out. I, I remember we went to visit a, a church family after services over that night. And, and I immediately was telling my, my buddy, uh, who was two years younger than me, I was telling him about what had happened. And I still can't tell you the date. And I think I was around nine. I might have been eight. I might have been ten. I really don't know. But I remember the event. So do you remember the event? If not, wow, you need to have that event. Because salvation, no one is born a Christian I remember an older gentleman years ago somebody asked him about his faith and he says I've always been a believer no one has always been a believer no one you may have always been a part of a believing family that's not the same thing as being a believer and you only become a believer when the Holy Spirit of God speaks to you and says you are lost and you need salvation so Church membership, that, that doesn't save you. I mean, you, you can be a member of this church or any other church, and and it's great to be a member of a church, and I highly recommend it, but it doesn't save you. Uh, you're not saved by being baptized. I mean, I'm, I'm looking forward to when we fill this baptistry up and do some baptizing here at Grace, but it's not going to save anyone. Never has, never will. Your Your money that you give, it's not going to save you. I mean, give all you want to. We'll take all of it. But if you're not saved, it's it's not going to save you. It just doesn't work that way. There must be a time when you intentionally gave your heart and life to Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior. And if you can't answer those four questions, today would be a good day for you to get it settled. And say, today I want to be saved. Lord Jesus, Would you save me? And you know what he will do? He will save you. And then you can be like Paul. You can testify about what he calls you to do. And you can testify about your conversion. The change that has taken place in your life. For, for grace to grow and for grace to be healthy, grace has to have people sharing their testimony. We have to. And I don't mean beating people up. I don't mean taking a big Bible and slapping up against the head with it. I'm, I'm talking about sharing your faith as God gives you opportunity in the ways that God gives you opportunity. We've got to be busy sharing our testimony. I'm going to ask you, if you would, to just bow.